to share amazing good news of Jesus Christ and as God's people. Uh, I understand we've been learning about that as a congregation. And I want to say this morning, it's a privilege to be with you from down the road in Ashburn. Uh, actually, there's not a lot of distance uh, between uh, the two churches, but there's a river that's kind of in the middle of all that. And uh, so this day began for my wife Robin and myself going across on White's Ferry and coming on over to Nielsville. And I want to say what a great way to start the day, what a beautiful start to the day. And uh, grateful for Andy's welcome and for your hospitality to me and to my wife Robin, and uh, just to say what a joy it is to share in ministry with you together as a part of the fellowship of Presbyterians. We are indeed blessed. But I want to talk with you today about evangelism and have us open in our Bibles uh, this morning uh, to the book of Acts. And Acts is all about evangelism. It's all about the, the beginning of the church. It's written by Dr. Luke as he reflects upon those events in history, how the gospel went forth began in that upper room upon the promise of Jesus, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And Acts is written like that. It's like concentric circles. And so as we uh, open God's word this morning, we are, we are encountering one of those extension scenes of the gospel as the gospel goes forth uh, from Jerusalem into a place north called Antioch. And that gospel is extending by the word and power of the Holy Spirit active in the lives of those followers of Christ. And so we begin the reading today at uh, verse number uh, 19 through 21 of Acts chapter 11. And uh, this speaks about the beginning of the church in Antioch. We hear God's word. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, uh, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Uh, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What an amazing word, uh, what an amazing promise as lives were changed by the power of the gospel of Christ. I invite you to pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the privilege of being together in worship, called together by your name and, Lord, grounded in your grace. And we thank you this day for your presence in this place and for your presence alongside of us as we open your word. And so, Lord, may you instruct us, may you open our hearts to that fresh word that you have for us. And indeed, may you be the honor and focus of this time, uh, for we pray these things in the strong name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I understand you've been working through a a series uh, in these last weeks on evangelism and and unpacking various components of evangelism, and and understand that series has included by Pete and Andy and Ryan, uh, beginning in that series, uh, an understanding of our need for Christ and how the gospel challenges us in in our lives to know him personally. And also that need to be forgiven, preached in our series uh, of that need in each of our lives. We are broken, fallen people before a holy God and need God's grace in our lives to be forgiven. And also most recently, I understand talking about the commandments in the Old Testament and how those commandments serve like a mirror in our lives and they allow us to see ourselves uh, for who we really are. Talking in this series 
about evangelism and bringing the good news. Now, thinking about these things, I I love the story. I want to share with you the story of a five-year-old boy. And his mom was busy planning a dinner party. It was one of those dinner parties uh, that you wanted to have everything to be just right. And so the fine china was brought out from the china cupboard and all those place settings arranged carefully around the table. Uh, There were the forks, those special forks and the napkins. And there were all those glasses that were in place around each place setting and a a large floral uh, centerpiece right in the center of the table. And uh, at each place, there was a beautiful summer salad. It was all already put together, a fruit salad, and and capped on each of of those plates was a maraschino cherry just to make it look special. Well, this little guy, five years old, he loved maraschino cherries. He loved those. And all of this was just way too tempting for him. And so he made a point to visit each site around that table when mom wasn't there and to snatch the cherry on top. Well, mom was already a little nervous about this dinner in the first place. And she decided one last time to come down and check the table just to be sure everything was just right. And she noticed as she looked at the table there was something different. On the top of each of those salad plates, that fruit salad was missing something that was there before. And so she called for her son, and she used his full name, his middle name, and he knew that meant trouble. So he realized what was going on, and he went running from mom, who happened to be in hot pursuit. He ran up the stairs, and uh, she followed. He ran down the stairs, and she followed. Through the living room, into the hallway, out the front door, and mom close by in hot pursuit. He ran across the front porch, and finally he thought, I'm going to run under the porch. That's what he did, and that stopped mom in her tracks. Mom was in her dress, but she was ready to get down on all fours and go after him, and he moved back into the far corner under that porch. Now, just at that time, Dad was making his way back home from a long day at work, and he said, Honey, how was the day? How's it been going? And Mom told what his son had just done. (laughs) And so Dad got down on all fours, and he crawled back under the porch to get his boy, and he saw him there, eyes wide open, and then he heard the boy say, Wow, is she after you too? That's evangelism, folks. It's about God in hot pursuit of us. It is about the God of creation in hot pursuit of us because of the cross of Christ and the amazing goodness and the amazing grace of God. God in hot pursuit to give new life, to breathe new life into our broken lives by the power of the grace of God. How many of us thinking about these things know people who need in their lives today that kind of good news? Maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a wife, maybe it's a co-worker, family member that needs that new life that only Christ can bring. It's good news in a bad news world. There's an award-winning film, it's called The Mission, Robert De Niro, 
was the lead actor, plays a mercenary in the, in the film. And what he's done in this film is he's taken asylum in a local church after, after killing his, his brother in a fit of jealous rage. And, and he carries this in his life. Eventually, the story tells he, he leaves the church and heads to the mission post. It's located high above the waterfalls in a South American jungle. And because of what he's done and the weight of it all, He ties himself to a net, and he puts objects in that net, items that represent his sinful life. And he feels compelled to drag this along everywhere he goes. In one scene, he slips under the weight of his past, and that rope nearly chokes the life from him. And and he feels crushed but doesn't know what to do with his guilt and what to do with his shame and what to do with his past. And and we think about that scene this morning as we talk about evangelism because people that we know and we love, they carry around this weight, this story in their lives, and they long to be set free. Jesus has come to set us free. That's the good news. And I know that evangelism in our day is an explosive topic, probably, I suspect, more so than ever. It raises raises challenges around us. There's a a gentleman who teaches a course on on management for nonprofits, Bill Meehan, and he he talks about teaching this course, and and in one of the classes they talk about a, a case study of the Willow Creek Church in Chicago. And this is a class taught in Stanford, and, and it's a case study about how this church reaches its constituency. It talks about evangelism, and Meehan, he talks about this, and he says it's the most explosive class during the whole semester. Why? Because people in our world have their, have their dukes up when it comes to sharing the good news. Students' voice, Meehan says, the default view in our culture today that it's okay to believe in Jesus, but keep that to yourself. That's a challenge in the world around us. How do we relate? And then when it comes to evangelism, there are those pressures that we feel from within. We feel inadequate about all of this. We say, well, that's Andy's job or Pete's job or, or someone else. And these forces make us quiet about what means most in our lives. And that's why this morning as we turn to the book of Acts, this is a refreshing, encouraging word in our lives because Luke, the writer of Acts, talks about engaging evangelism, reaching out because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he talks about evangelism, God at work, in two ways in our lives. First of all, evangelism, it begins with the work of God in us. It begins with the work of Jesus in our lives. How many are glad for the work of Christ in your life today? That's it. That's where it begins, by the grace of God within. And we read about that in the account in Acts. The first thing that we notice is that that people came to Christ. And they seem to tell other people about it. 
And the message of the gospel, it engaged people, their hearts and minds and their souls. And, and it wasn't just for the leaders, it wasn't just for those in Jerusalem, but, but everyone. And we read about this in Acts, Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 11, the text for today. The people came to faith in Christ and people, they told their story. And that raises a question for us today, what's our story? This morning, what is our story of faith in our own life today, the vitality, the work of God in our own lives? One person said it well, before you can be a witness, you got to have a testimony. Advertisers, they know this on television. They know this because people identify with the stories of, of other people. And so you turn on your television and you see those TV commercials and they're they're full of stories of, of people, and there's a mom, there's a dad at the washing machine. And they say, well, I'm a mom, I'm a dad like you, and my kids, wow, they get these grass stains right in the knees of their, of their trousers. Nothing I ever tried would get stains out like, and they hold up that box of all-temperature cheer. And so there are people that are tuning in, and they're looking at this on the television, moms and dads with kids that have those grass stains, and they're like, wow. And they run to the local store, and they get their own supply of all-temperature cheer. And advertisers do this. Why? Because they know those stories of other people are so engaging. And, and that, by way of background, is the reason we like biographies more than essays. And the reason we remember sermon illustrations more, more than the sermon. I hate to say that, but it's true. Because we resonate with those stories in life, and people around you resonate with those stories in your life about the work of Christ, about God at work today, about God changing you. One writer says the skeptic may stop his ears to the presentations of a preacher, but he is somehow attracted to the, to the human story of how you found peace within. And when you share in a simple, winsome, conversational, transparent kind of way your story of the work of Christ, that's incredibly engaging in the lives of those around us. That's the model in the book of Acts. Persecution came to the church in Jerusalem and and the apostles, they stayed put in Jerusalem, but everyone else scattered. And when they scattered, they told those around them what Christ had done. And so we see in our text this morning the spread of Christianity outside of Jerusalem. And people shared, communicated what Christ had done in their lives. The text says in verses 19 and 20, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution... In connection with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, that's far away, telling the message to the Jews. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. You see, a lot of people around us, they don't know the Bible, but they know us. How has the work of God impacted you and me? And just as we reflect upon that in the conclusion of this sermon series, 
an exercise might well be to take that time to write it down. To reflect in your own life this morning as a follower of Christ, what is God doing in me? How is God, the Spirit of God, changing me? And how is the gospel impacting my life right now? For evangelism is about the work of Christ in us. Uh, But there's a second point I want to make this morning, and it's simply this. Evangelism is about the work of Christ uh, through us. It is about sharing and bringing good news. We saw that in the skit this morning around the pool with that amazing green hat. I won't forget that for a long, long time. The truth is we live in a world, as we talk about sharing the gospel, that's very different than the world, I dare say, many of us grew up in. I grew up in Pittsburgh, just outside the city, and it seemed like everyone on our street went to church somewhere. On Sunday morning, the cars were were out and about. But in our neighborhoods, that's not necessarily the case, is it? Most Americans back then had a basic Christian worldview, and They believed in things like God and faith and sin, but we live in a time when more and more people are far from any church. People have little idea about the basics of the gospel. And so when you say things like, well, God loves you, or Jesus died, or people sin, sometimes that is hard to understand, as many have little idea of what that can mean. And the point is simply that oftentimes what's needed for the gospel to be understood is taking time with people. Evangelism being more in our lives today a process than an event. And we see this in the book of Acts as Paul shared in the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17. He spoke to people that were completely immersed in the culture of their day. They had little framework and no framework about the gospel. One writer says, actually, if you look at it, here's what Paul is doing. He's laying out a a biblical view of God. He's laying out a, a biblical view of history. It's undercutting the Greek idea of dualism. Basically, what he's doing is establishing a Christian worldview to make the gospel intelligible. And Paul covers the basics about the gospel even in the words that he uses. And there's some that look in Acts chapter 17 at the Areopagus account and say, well, Paul failed to evangelize this group because he didn't pray the sinner's prayer in that moment in time and people didn't immediately respond, but there was a seed that was being sown and there was ultimately response to the message of the gospel that Paul preached. Paul laid some groundwork and made the message intelligible and credible. And for us today in the world we live, in the lives of people with whom we interact, there might be those simple first steps to take. Great place might be to simply extend an invitation to someone in that neighborhood, to a group that you're a part of. Maybe a simple invitation on a Sunday morning would be that first step. In Ashburn, what's been a blessing to us is we have a book table, we have a book ministry. And so we have a little cart that's in the back of the church and it's just full of uh, Christian reads and and various books and, and there's wonderful things out there that lay a solid foundation in people's lives 
who maybe do not have that background we assume. Tim Keller recently wrote a bestseller, The Reason for God, and, and that's been a book on this table, been influential in the lives of, of some folks down in Ashburn. And these avenues might be some solid first steps because evangelism, it's about the work of Christ in us. And it's about the work of Christ through us. Even in a world like this, you know, there's a study that came out from the Institute of Church Growth. They did a big old study, and they, they asked questions of 14,000 people, a lot of people. And they asked these people, how did you come to Christ? How did you come to faith, the faith that you have? And, and interestingly, the responses were this. One to two percent said, well, they walked into church, and they thought it was cool, and so they stayed Two percent, interestingly, two percent said the pastor brought them in. I, I hate that number right there. I'd like to think it was more. Five percent said they, they got a visit from somebody. But interestingly, 75 to 90 percent say they were invited by, by a friend or a relative. And, and I think about those numbers as I reflect upon the text today of those first steps in our lives of reaching out outside of our comfort zone to share what Christ is doing within us and to extend that winsome, engaging, intelligible word of grace in the lives of those around us. Because we have an amazing story to share, to talk about. The deepest part of our lives. We've been set freed. We've been forgiven. We've been changed. And that is amazing news. That is good news in a bad news world. In us and through us. By the grace of Christ. May we pray together. Lord God, how amazing is your grace, O oh God, and how great is your mercy to us. That, Lord, in our lost estate, you have reached out to us. And as your word reflects, while we were yet sinners, Lord God, you, upon that cross, died on our behalf. We are amazed by the goodness of your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we are challenged as we think of those around us who carry in their lives so much that you, oh God, never intended. We pray for those ones in our family today who do not know you, our co-workers, our friends, that Lord God, your spirit would do an amazing work in their lives. And by your working, allow us to be that instrument of, of your word. Lord, I thank you for this series. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the witness of your spirit and your working in our lives as we seek, O oh God, to honor you. For it is in the strong name of Jesus that we pray this day. Amen. <laughs>